104.7 The Cave. KKLH, Marshfield, Springfield. A proud member of the Kansas City Chiefs radio network. Touchdown, Kansas City! Now, it's time for Ned Talk. Yes, sir, Ned Talk on the air for this Sunday, early Sunday, which is kind of rare to say because the Chiefs are so popular these days. They have a lot of TV games. They have a lot of afternoon games, so it's rare to see Mr. Reynolds bright and early in the morning. How are you, sir? So rare, I'm completely out of schedule. Every team in the National Football League on a Sunday plays at 12 noon. And for the Chiefs, you can count on, I what, three fingers how many games they've had at noontime today. This is altogether out of the norm. Yep. Josh Roberts is with us today. Josh, how are you? Oh, I'm doing great. Wearing your Alabama maroon. That's right. Today. Still high off that win last week? Oh, gosh, yeah. That was, I, I honestly did not expect it, so I was pleasantly surprised. All right, let's get into it. Let's talk about the Chiefs and the Broncos. I'll start out by saying I'm Joe Weston, by the way. Hi, Joe. I, I introduced everybody, but I didn't introduce myself. I'm Joe Weston, by the way. <laughs> uh, I uh, text Kevin, who was with us last week from Denver, our intrepid Denver reporter, and I said to him, you know what? The Chiefs didn't beat the Broncos. The Broncos beat the Broncos. Your thoughts? In a sense, that's true, but the Chiefs are the ones who were able to implement what they wanted to do and manifest their slow game plan, which is, in my opinion, what they are doing, into a, a substantial victory. Denver was never a threat in that ball game, I, And I'm of the opinion, and I've said this before, I think what Kansas City has done is that midseason changed their whole scheme of things. They're going out, and I think this is what they'll do today. They punch the team in the face and then turn around and say, okay, now see if you can match that. Otherwise, we're going to play a very controlled game. We won't uh, go out on a limb and do anything. I think that's also what you'll see today. I think Kansas City's a better team than Denver. Kansas City's a better team than Las Vegas, who they'll play today. What do you think, Josh? I feel like all of the things that we were uh, talking about earlier this season – have kind of come to fruition with the Chiefs. They they've gotten their defense back on track by moving players back to their their places of strength. Their offense is doing what they need to do with running the ball more effectively, doing short passes so that they have if they do have a third down, it's a short third down. So I'm very pleased with the progress they've made and it's I mean they've won 5 games in a row. So they're doing a great job right now. Ned Reynolds and I play this little game of half empty, half full. And I'm I'm taking away from that game half empty. I, I'm a little pessimistic. I thought that was not the best defensive game that the Chiefs have played out of these last five. I thought that they were on their heels most of the game. The Broncos ran the ball very effectively against them mm-hmm. and were able to push them down the field. It was only the turnovers, the big plays, which reminds me of the Chiefs three years ago that they were able to get the ball back and uh, stop the Broncos. That's a bend to don't break defense is what they have right now. They're very aggressive, which really looks good when you have the a lot of blitzes, a lot of package blitzes, and you have your guys giving the quarterback a whole hard time, just putting a lot of pressure on them. That's great. It looks great. A seasoned, skilled QB can dice that kind mm-hmm. of defense up and slice it into smithereens. It hasn't happened yet because the teams, and I'm not making alibis or anything like that, but Kansas City's been very fortunate. They have played teams that are banged up, as they are today with the Raiders. 
Uh, but Denver, Denver didn't have a lot of their key component parts in there. Bridgewater was completely under pressure, didn't react very well under that. And in previous games, Derek Carr and Las Vegas, when they played him, and in a sense, the the Washington ball club, actually Washington was a little bit healthier. But when you take a look at the teams that they played, there have been significant New York Giants, significantly uh, injured uh, teams. And Kansas City has been remarkably injury-free. They did have some players banged up early in the season, but for the most part, they've been able to avoid any kind of injury problems, and that has really helped. Now, God forbid anything happens to them in the next couple of weeks, but I'm of the opinion that's why they're playing the way they are right now. Uh, now, there's an old adage that when you play to avoid injuries, you're going to have those injuries. Right. I don't think in the case of the Chiefs that is the case. What they have done, in my opinion, is pull back and say, look, let's not take any gambles. Let's not make any high-risk players or plays. We've got these teams beaten. Let's just play to our capabilities, run the ball, maybe key passes here and there. We don't have to look flashy. That We're not playing for style points. We're playing for the playoffs. And I think that's, in my opinion, that's what they're doing. They do have a key injury today. Legereus Sneed is out versus the Raiders today, and he's played very good. Their corners have played extremely well yeah. with this run. He is not out because of injury, so this is a family problem that he's out. It's his brother okay. who has passed away, So, but he will not, apparently will not be in the game. And no, that does present a significant loss in their defensive backfield, but come on, you've got... Uh, Tyran Matthew back there, and you have others who have stepped up and played very well. Let's talk about the Raiders, the Chiefs' offense, because it still, to me, looks like it's very out of sync. The first <laughs> drive, the first drive of the game was was outstanding. I mean, they went down the field like they were facing paper on mm-hmm. the Broncos, and then after that, they just seemed to be completely out of sync. Is that part of your thinking? That's precisely what I'm saying. What they do is go out and hit you at the side of the face with a right cross, and say, look what we can do to you at any time. We can do this whenever we want. Hey, good luck. Mm-hmm. And then since nobody is able to match them with, their, with the defense being as aggressive as it is, they're able to pull back and just play a very conservative style of offense. I think, and Joe, in my opinion, it's being done by design. What's your thoughts on that, Josh? I don't have a problem with it because it's effective. Um I'm glad they're not trying to do the flashy trick plays and long bombs on first down because that gets them in such a, a tenuous situation for second and third down. That's that makes them more predictable. So I like the fact that they're running the ball better, controlling the clock better. I don't need them to beat people 45 to nothing. I just want them to win. You're listening to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave, your local live sports talk show. We'll take you up to the pregame start, which is at 11. That's hosted by Art Haynes, and we'll have all the Chiefs action for you right here today. Early game, Chiefs take on the Las Vegas Raiders, who it seems like they just played a couple of weeks back, but here they are again. It was. It was several weeks back on a Sunday night. It was one of those games that NBC had fingered early. And in all fairness, Las Vegas did get off to a very good start to the season. They aren't playing well now because of, again, the Waller guy, and he's there. He's one of their key targets. Denzel Perryman, I believe, is going to be out today. He's one of their defensive stalwarts. They've got these really significant injury problems. These are teams that may not be quite as deep. Kansas City has Kansas City's depth was tested too early in the season, but uh, they do have individuals who can step right in and play. The one thing we're forgetting is. 
that these are pro athletes. They're professional football players and behave like professional football players in regards to how they are skilled. They're all very fast. They're all stars who were in college Mm -hmm. and all that sort of thing. But there's a difference in talent level, too, even at the upper echelon of whatever the sport is. And that's where I think Kansas City excels here. Again, I'm going to stand by the fact that they'll, I'm predicting this will happen today. They'll go out right down the field, depending on their first time on the ball, and hit everything with, that they have. Hit Vegas with everything that Kansas City can muster. And they'll say, now subconsciously, of course, but they'll say, we can do this, do it any time. Worry about it. Try and challenge us. You ain't going to win. Yeah. Let me ask you this question because I've seen this a lot, not only with the Chiefs, but I, I've watched some other games too. I'm seeing a lot of deflected passes in the NFL this season, a lot of passes that go off the off the receiver's hands and into the defense's hands. And we've seen a lot with Kansas City. Balls going off the hands of the receivers. Do you think that that's a product of the quarterback or do you think there's something different going on with the ball? No, I think it's probably the fact that early in the season when that happened, it's the defenses had thrown a little monkey wrench into what Kansas City had been doing and figured out a way to defend against it. Well, now Kansas City's made the necessary adjustments. But it also involves the way, and again, this is my opinion, the way Patrick Mahomes throws the ball. You'll watch a lot of his, keep in mind, now he has a baseball background. Oh, yeah. yeah. And that is how he is throwing a lot of those passes. With mm-hmm. that sidearm whipping motion, well, that ball comes in there pretty doggone fast. All NFL wide receivers should be able to catch that ball. Should be. But the difference between should and will is a big difference. Yeah. So I'm wondering, yeah, I think there's a possibility that he's throwing the ball a little bit too hard. But then again, heck, they practice virtually every day. And that level of football should have begun to be absorbed by the wide receivers. Uh, Danon Hughes was uh, being interviewed with him the other day. And uh, he's, I voiced that opinion to him. And he said, these are NFL wide receivers. Anybody who can't catch those passes doesn't belong in the NFL. (laughs) (laughs) Were you uh, surprised last week at how effective the Broncos were taking the Chiefs' two biggest weapons out of the game? That they were able to really shut down. That's the first time we've seen Travis Kelsey shut down. Well, he was shut down. And also they shut down Tyree Kill, too. But the Chiefs have enough weapons to win the game. Absolutely. And that's they can overcome those defensive nuances that a lot of coaches are putting in there. And, yeah, they did take Travis Kelsey out of the game. Yeah, I'm I'm a little worried about him. Now, Kelsey's in his 30s, his early 30s. He takes a heck of a beating. I don't care how big you are. And he is big. And I mean, my gosh, you've got you've got guys hitting you at full speed again. NFL professionals that has to take its toll on you after a while. And he may not. He may have lost a step or two. In in all honesty, that's not to criticize him, but yeah, and he's still a fine player, still an All Pro, but he's taking a lot of beatings out there. I don't think he needs a step or two, really, to tell you the truth, because his where his danger at for the other teams is when he catches the ball. You were talking about him, you know taking a beating he gives a lot of beatings too he's the best he's the best in the nfl bar none with the ball in his hands after catching after catching 
I think he's the best receiver, period. Well, Waller, of the, who won't play today for the Raiders, is pretty good as well. And there are other tight ends who can play effective football, but Kelsey's probably at the top of the list. I agree. There's been some shakeup in the uh, Chiefs' depth chart. I always sit here and stare at this while we're doing the show. And uh, Byron Pringle's moved up. McCole Hardiman has moved back. And the, I think the, the big one to me is there, we're looking at Kyle Long getting a start today at the right guard position. I don't think he'll start. I really They've don't. got but him at the number one spot today. He, he, he may play, but here's a guy. I'm, I'm, I'm a doubting him. First of all, Omens. Believer in Omens. His alma mater got beat by South Dakota State last week. Okay, that's beside the point. <laughs> uh, the, the fact of the matter is that Long, while he is a three-time Pro Bowl All-Star with the Chicago Bears, has really been injured yeah. quite a bit. And he was injured in training camp with the Chiefs. He hadn't played all, all year long. He hasn't been in a single game. And that's why I think the Chiefs won't start him. Because there's a, there's a big difference into getting into game condition he didn't play it all last year. He has been out of action for almost two years. And you expect an individual to come in and start playing at a top level? I think that's a very, very big if. Well, they've got him number one in the depth chart today, so we'll see. Where is Niang? Niang is put down as questionable today, and Andrew Wiley's in the second position in the uh, in the depth chart. Mike Remmers is on injury reserve. Let's talk a little bit about the guy that has quickly become the stalwart on the Chiefs' offensive line, and that's Creed Humphrey. Creed Humphrey's fine player. Yeah. Very fine player. Here's a kid out of Oklahoma, rookie year, and he has been able to come in a little shaky at first when the Chiefs were having their problems early in the season, but now he has acclimated himself to that starting center position. That is a key on the offensive line, and he's played very well. He's big, and he's very strong, and he has a terrific college pedigree out of Oklahoma, He's he's a good player. That's a good draft choice. What have you thought about Creed Humphrey this season? Oh, I'm I'm impressed. I'm impressed with like Ned said, him being a, a rookie and being able to be as effective as he is. And it's interesting to watch because you know that was something we did harp on at the beginning of the season too. Was the Chiefs' offensive line seems so bad, but they have gelled. They've come together. They've they've moved some people around to where they seem to be their best fit. And they're protecting Patrick Mahomes a lot better than they were. So I think, yeah, it, it looks good so far. That left side of the line was part of the shakiness of that team. Mm-hmm. And they got two veterans on the left side of the line, Joe Tooney and Orlando Brown Jr. And they both, they've both they really shored up their game in the last few weeks and are protecting Mahomes on that blind side. And I think Brown had the, uh, the uh, wrath of the coaching staff come down mm-hmm. on him because he wasn't doing the job early in the season. He was kind of slogging through the effort. Well, he's not anymore. He's now he's achieved what he was with the Baltimore Ravens and what he was. Ned, does this say something about their football program? What he was at Oklahoma. Here we ah. have two big Oklahoma guys in there on that offensive line. And uh, Brown can play very well. He's got a very good background. Dad played in the NFL. Mm-hmm. He wasn't playing well at the start, but he is now because I think he's been able to digest what the game plan calls for and what the very intricate offensive playbook has with Andy Reid. So I think there therein lies a lot. It, it's experience. Well, it's yeah, and you over. have to remember they. I mean, they they had a totally new offensive line at the beginning of the season than last season. They blew that whole thing up. So it's going to take a little while for those guys to get on the same page, and it did take them a little while. But I feel like they're there.
But the investment in the offensive line is really starting to pay off for the Chiefs this season because when you start to look at the guys that are behind the starters in the offensive line, you go, wow, I'm not that worried. If (laughs) if somebody were to go down, Andrew Wiley's going to step in. Trey Smith's going to step in. I don't want Austin Blythe to step in at the center position, but I know he can do the job. I know that he played the position for the Chiefs last year. So he can do it. He can get in there. And then Nick Algretti's there. So they have a lot of depth in the offensive line this season. So that's really paid off. And I think that's something, too, that you don't talk about with the Chiefs very much. You got you, you got to see the exposure and the weakness in the Super Bowl last year when they lost to Tampa Bay, that they didn't have any depth there. This year, mm-hmm. that's a strength for them. And that's what we talked about when they draft. That's what the Chiefs are doing is drafting for depth. That's how you continue with a championship effort. We talked about that earlier this season and when the draft was up. How are the Chiefs going to draft? Well, you have to draft for your bench because it's the deeper teams that eventually do win in championship competition. And that is, you have to understand, that's the rate of attrition that you have when you have a very physical sport. And then, let's face it, that's what the National Football League is. It is strength on strength, mano on mano. And the strongest ones are going to be the strongest and the deepest are going to be the winners. The other side of the ball has gotten a lot of press lately. Chiefs weakness has turned into a chief strength. I, again, did not think last week was the best game that they played in this string of, of their winning streak that they've got going on. I thought they looked a little on their heels most of the game. But we talk about the strength of drafting and the strength of of having a depth to your team they have a lot of depth on the on the defensive side of the ball too when you look at the the defense that they have and the guys that are playing behind them Melvin Ingram who's the guy that we really figured has made the change in this team he's on the second tier for them so they have strength there too of course that's why they traded for him they didn't sign him back in the summer when he interviewed with the Chiefs they didn't think they needed any kind of depth at that position because they had moved Jones over to that side. Oh, that turned out to be a big mistake because Jones could not handle it. And it's not a knock at him. It was just an altogether different circumstance. So when Pittsburgh tired on Ingram or whatever the case might be and said, hey, we'll open up for a trade, then the Chiefs were willing to go right back and fill him in at that position. Ingram is not an all-star anymore, but he can still throw in a game or two or three at as an effective defensive end or a pass rushing defensive end what it, it, there's this just when you have that experience that he has and you're a many, many time all pro as he was with the chargers well that's going to come back at least for once or twice will be very effective they've got a very good linebacking core that's very quiet you don't hear a lot of news about these guys but Again, another guy that's a rookie that's making a huge impact on the team is Nick Bolton. Anthony Hitchens right in the middle of that is just solid as always. And Willie Gay is really coming into his own. Your thoughts about that? They are. They're playing well. But you have to remember now this differs with each team because of the offensive schemes with these teams are different. So there are games in which the linebackers are going to look pretty good, games in which they aren't because the offense isn't predicated with trying to expose that level of defense. Yeah, there's a, they're good players. Bolton's had a particularly good year as a rookie from uh, the Missouri Tigers, who could certainly use him now. But by the same token, they're uh, they're going to be tested by the better teams that the Chiefs play. And they weren't very good 
at all early in the season when the Chiefs were playing some tough people. They have been good now when the competition's begun to come down a little bit. Uh, how this how this manifests itself in the playoffs, and I think the Chiefs are in the playoffs now, Not maybe not officially, but I think they will be there. Uh, I think that's going to be more of a telltale sign than what you're saying. Yeah, they're, they're better and playing better, but let's test them against some of the top-notch teams. When we come back, we'll have a shot clock in our third segment. We'll talk about the Raiders, who the Chiefs are playing today. We'll talk about the final quarter of the season, all on Ned Talk. You're listening to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave, part of the Kansas City Chiefs Radio Network. Back to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave, a proud member of the Kansas City Chiefs Radio Network. We're about 35 minutes away from the start of the pregame show with Art Haynes, Dan Israel, whole crew who are up in Kansas City today for the Chiefs and the Raiders. Let's talk a little bit about the Raiders. They've had a very quiet season. Not much going on in their camp as far as that goes. Well, okay, all right, all right. I lied about that. So John Gruden gone, uh, the Rugs deal. We've talked about all that stuff. They've um, The linebacker, Arnett, he's out of there. Yeah, he made some threats on the internet. That's never smart. Ugh. Never smart. And uh, they played like a team that's up and down. They've looked very good. I thought at the beginning of the season they would be the, the team that really challenged the Chiefs. But so far, they're not that team, and we don't. And you really don't know what you're going to get with the Raiders. I mean, you could get a very good Raiders team today. You could get a very bad Raiders team today. So, what are your thoughts? What do you see? Well, seeing? they have they, yeah, as you pointed out, they've been very much a seesaw act. They were good early in the season. They haven't been lately, but then again, they've had all the all the personal problems. The Rugs deal really, really hurt them. He was their deep wide receiver threat. Now they have the kid from the Rams who they picked up, Deshaun Jackson. And in my opinion, now whether or not it made a difference in who was going to win the game, that's another story. But when the Chiefs played the Raiders out in Las Vegas, yeah, I think the score was 14-7, if I'm not uh, mistaken. The Chiefs had the lead. And Derek Carr hit this Jackson on a crossing pattern deep down the field and made the catch, was getting ready to break it for a long run, and had the ball punched out of his hands. And from that point on, Las Vegas deflated. They did not play at all well. Now, that was also a much healthier Las Vegas team than we're seeing today. But it does, I think, exemplify the fact that Carr's a good quarterback. He's a very fine passing quarterback if he has the time to throw. Probably going to be a little bit cooler in Kansas City. Carr, Fresno State guy, doesn't have the he doesn't have that background of playing well in cold weather. But over and above all of that, Las Vegas does not have, in my opinion, the makings of a good quality football team. They have an interim coach in there with Gruden gone now, and they, it just doesn't manifest itself. They lost to Washington last week at home in Las Vegas, seventeen to fifteen. It's a team that has the capabilities of being a lot better, but they aren't going to be a lot better because mentally I don't think they're with the program. What do you think? Well, I agree with that. I think uh, they've got talent. They have just kind of lost their drive, and I think it's easy to see because of all the stuff that's happened to their 
their club this season. So I yeah, I mean they're they're not playing well on any facet of their their game, but they have the potential to put together a good game and who knows. You know, it's a rivalry game with the Chiefs and everybody seems to get the be- their best from the Chiefs, so <laughs> we'll see what happens, but yeah, they they they're in chaos right now. Ned, I'm going to ask you to deep dig deep into your bag of tricks, pull out your crystal ball. Do the the Raiders blow things up after this season? Well, they're they're going to have to. I wouldn't say blow it up, but they're going to certainly have to draft for wide receivers. Here they have their big man Henry Ruggs, who they drafted number one, Alabama guy, great player, gone, and he's probably gone forever. He's not going to. He won't play again, considering what he did. And they have other other parts of their team that need to be reconstructed. They're getting to the point now where they have to draft a quarterback. Derek Carr is not a kid anymore. He can probably still play maybe another year or two, but you have to look over all sorts of things. In terms of blowing them up completely, that's awfully hard to do, Joe. You, you, have, you draft for bringing teams back intact, like the Chiefs, I think, have effectively done over the years. That's what the Raiders have to do. Completely dismantling them, though. They do need some leadership in the front office, that is true. But by the same token, though, it's it's... So they still have talent on their football team, and you don't want to get rid of everybody. Do you see Derek Carr wearing the silver and black next year? I don't know who would want him. That's just it. Would they cut him? Probably not, because he probably has a, I don't know his contract, but he probably has a several-year contract situation with them. But no, he's still capable. I think he's, I think he's a very good quarterback if he, if he was with a better system and team. Yeah, but you can say that with a lot of guys. Yeah, True. He's got a lot of talent. I mean, he, he does, and I think he's got a lot of desire. I mean, he might be looking at, at Derek Carr wearing green next year. He might it, be with the Packers. Could it could be. You might remember last year I, I made the statement on this show that if you would put Patrick Mahomes with another team, like we'll say the Chicago Bears, just as an example, yeah, he'd be a good quarterback, but he certainly wouldn't be the great headliner that he is now with the Chiefs. It's it's altogether a team circumstance and how you fit in. Remember now, when Kansas City got Mahomes, they they drafted up, they sold off some of their draft picks and got to the tenth pick because they, he didn't figure into anybody else's plans. That's how they got him because Reed knew that he would fit into that plan. Well, same with Derek Carr. How much does he fit into their circumstance? How much would he fit into another team's game plan? It isn't just so much because you're a great player. It's how you are determined or how your their perception of how you're going to be able to fit into a a certain level of circumstance well that's something we talk about all the time it's that these guys are all top level quarterbacks Mm -hmm. they're the best of the very best and there's you know three on each team so you're looking at 90 guys and in the right set of circumstances for almost any one of these guys, they have the talent to get the job done, but it's the circumstance and it's the protection. It's the whole team process that makes it something that leads to what we see with Patrick Mahomes. I'm going to give you another example, too. Although he was the Heisman Trophy winner and for a national championship team, how high was Mac Jones really perceived as being in the NFL? Oh, maybe, no. maybe not. And who gets him? The Patriots. And what is he now? <laughs> well, yeah. That's how you fit into a team's game. Sure. Player. Well, but you t- too, you talk about Patrick Mahomes in the draft. I remember that draft, and he was not somebody that came up 
a lot on radar. He was he was like fifth or sixth as far as quarterbacks that's go. That's my point. That's yeah. what that's what I'm saying. That is why the Chiefs get a lot of, uh, in my opinion, a lot of high praise for being able to see that this is the guy we want right here. Look what he's doing at Texas Tech. They may not have won everything in sight, and uh, some of his records are pretty good, some aren't, but it's what he can do and what we can develop him into. Remember now, he was, when the Chiefs went to the Super Bowl, Mahomes was not a rookie. He had been on that bench on the sidelines for a year watching how the game was done. That's true. Let's talk to you, Josh, because Mac Jones, that name came up, and he's an Alabama guy. Did you see him doing what he's doing right now? I honestly did not. I mean, the thing about I mean, if you look at Alabama quarterbacks that are in the NFL in the recent past, Jalen Hurts, Tua, I can't pronounce the last name, so I won't even try. He and Tua, they're doing okay. I mean, they're on teams that need to kind of build around them to help them out. So I did not. I mean, Mac Jones did great at Alabama. Uh, he didn't. He only. He was only the starter one year at Alabama, and and won a national championship. But you, I don't. I don't ever expect quarterbacks to perform the way. I didn't expect Mahomes to do what he's done, because I agree with you. He kind of flew under the radar. You know, playing for Texas Tech wasn't really flashy. They didn't compete for a national championship or anything the year that he was their starter. So. It's hard, it's hard for me to say this quarterback's going to be great in the NFL because so many great college quarterbacks don't translate well into the NFL. Matt Leinart is a great example of that. I mean, Matt Leinart won the Heisman Trophy, came back for his senior year at USC and basically was an NFL quarterback his, senior, his last year at USC because he, he was a graduate student. So all he did was study film and everything. So you thought, okay, this guy's going to do really well. He's got a year ahead of everybody as far as how to be an NFL quarterback. That didn't work out. So it, it's there's so much that goes into it beyond just their talent. Well, Jared Goff's a perfect example of mm-hmm. that. Played extremely well with the Rams. He's I, and, and I think he's doing his best with the Detroit Lions, but the circumstances yeah. are very different with those two teams. Of course. Oh, it's yeah. how you fit into another team's scheme, how you're able to, and that's why the team has to take, the organization has to take a lot of credit or blame when these situations don't work out because it is up to them to look into the depth of what a guy can do, yep. how he fits into that mold, and whether or not that's going to succeed. And, again, that's a science more than it is. And then a little bit of luck thrown in there, too. But it does take a lot of football high IQ, a lot of football acumen to be able to get that to work. Mm-hmm. We're 25 minutes away from the start of the pregame show. You're listening to Ned Talk, your local live pregame show on 104.7 The Cave. You're listening to Ned Talk. On 104.7, The Cave, part of the Kansas City Chiefs Radio Network. Back to Ned Talk on 104.7, The Cave. A proud member of the Kansas City Chiefs Radio Network. About 19 minutes away from the start of the pregame show, sitting here watching the four-letter network and thinking, man, Teddy Bruschi. He won life's lottery, didn't he? Yeah, Look he did. He's got a great head of hair. It's beautiful. <laughs> As I'm losing mine, I'm envious of Teddy Bruschi. It's time for us to do our our new feature, which is called Shot Clock. 
I'll bring up a subject which I have not broached with either Ned or Josh, and they have to give an answer. And at 45 seconds, they're cut off. And I've got all my all my stuff in place, Ned. Last week we didn't have it in place. This week I do. So we actually will have the the buzzer and the horn. So when your time's up, goes off, got to stop talking. So as opposed to the buzzer and the horn, it shut our mics off. Yeah, <laughs> I, could, I could do that. I could shut off your. I, th- I thought about that too, but I thought maybe you might get angry at me. And I know how you are when you get angry. I'm a teddy bear, I wouldn't hurt you. Oh, that's not what you've said in the past. That's not what bear. You're a teddy bear. What you've said in the past. So again, we've not gone over these on the air. We the first time these guys are hearing these questions. Coming up right now, and we'll start with Mr. Reynolds. And my question for you, Ned, your thoughts on Jim Harbaugh being named the FBS Coach of the Year. Well, he certainly deserves it. There's no question about that. Here's a man who's been through a very tough time at the University of Michigan. He has come on. Hey, he was under extensive grilling by the Michigan alums. And what is he now? Number two in the in the football championship level. I think it's probably going to not to be his benefit when they get in the playoffs. I think Georgia will beat them, but over and above that, done a nice job with revamping not just his team, but himself and overcome a lot of difficulties. I was one who was very surprised that Michigan brought him back, but they did sign him on. Hey, I'm all for it. I think he deserves coach of the year. Yes, there are others. But when you take a headline circumstance like a Big Ten conference team that's come on, that's been un- there went the shot clock. I turned off your mic. Yeah, we'll stop right there. So, <laughs> so Ned, that's how it works. The shot clock. I shut off your mic. You can't talk anymore about it. But good job filling up forty-five seconds. That was There's nice. Forty-six seconds. It wasn't forty-five. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> All right. My question for Mr. Roberts today oh. is the following, and I know you probably talk about this for forty-five minutes, and that is Bryce Young winning the Heisman Trophy. Oh wow! Yeah, uh, you know. He had a little bit of rocky play early in the season. I don't know how they lost to Texas A&M, but whatever. But, yes, he he is, the, in my opinion, the Heisman Trophy winner, not just because I'm a homer for Alabama, <laughs> but because, I mean, if the way that they dismantled Georgia was spectacular. And he that's, well, that's what won him the Heisman Trophy was that game, the SEC championship, because he dominated in that game. So I'm going to throw in a personal addendum on that. You, mentioned- you still have time on the clock. Well, okay. I'm, I'm taking I've said time. my piece. <laughs> uh, the, the reason, in my opinion, they lost to Texas A&M, they should have beaten them. They were up, yeah. what, 38 to 23 or something. Yeah. And then that big crowd, we'll go on just a few seconds more. Okay. All right. All right. Uh, the big crowd there at uh, in College Station, which is 90, 95,000, screaming their heads off. Oh, yeah. I, in a night game on national television, I really think that came back to haunt Alabama, and I think they folded under the pressure. All right, Mr. Reynolds, the question for you is, when will the NCAA be rid of Mr. Bruce Pearl? In my opinion, it should have been a long time ago. This guy has a very sordid background. They are rid of him for two games uh, next oh, come year. come on. Well, that's <laughs> when Auburn plays. And I think the two-game suspension is, is pretty coming up here pretty quickly. But he's a man who's been in constant difficulty and gotten most of his teams in trouble. Did it Tennessee when he was there? Has with Auburn, and these are very sordid circumstances. The NCAA, Joe, can't do it. It's not up to them. They can spend the guy and all that sort of thing, but it's up to the university to do that. And Pearl has won. His Auburn team is pretty good. Pearl is a good coach. I've had the opportunity to interview him on a number of occasions. He is a very bright guy. 
shot clock up. Mr. Reynolds, he he milks that shot clock. He can Work, fill up that he clock. Works it, he works it. <laughs> All right, my question to uh, Mr. Roberts here that I'm going to ask you is your thoughts on Mike McCarthy guaranteeing a win today. I think it's silly for any professional coach to guarantee a win because what we talk about all the time on any given Sunday, anybody can win a football game. So I think he puts undue pressure on his players by doing that. It's one thing to be confident, and it's one thing to say stuff like that in your own locker room, but to make it a soundbite for the other team is just motivation for them to do even better against you. And I think that's counterproductive. He shouldn't be saying stuff like that. Let me toss this in really quickly. Uh, Aaron Rodgers saying, I own you to the Chicago Bears. Is that going in the same category? Yes, I think that's ridiculous. And Aaron Rodgers is ridiculous anyway. (laughs) (laughs) That beautiful porn star mustache. Yeah, and whatever. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) All right, my question to Mr. Ned Reynolds here is, um, well, let's see, let's go to this. I'm going to have you guys share this particular question. This one, uh, let's see how you guys do with this one, okay? Who you got in the Grey Cup, Winnipeg or Hamilton? I like the Hamilton Tiger Cats to win this one. Winnipeg Blue Bombers have a nice football team, but Hamilton seems to be a lot more aggressive. I have seen a few of their games. Uh, really? I, Wait I, a minute. Wait, I've, I've got. I've just got to stop right here. Have you actually watched Canadian, Canadian football? football? Oh, heavens, yes. I, I watch it for a different reason. I like to see how many of the American castoffs are up there playing. <laughs> oh, okay. So it's kind Johnny of Johnny Manziel. <laughs> well, he couldn't even make it up there. But I like nope. Hamilton, and I assume I don't know this, but I assume they're playing out in Vancouver inside. Is that right? I don't know. You know I can make care less. So oh, no, 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 come on, I, I'm picking the Hamilton Tiger Cats to win. All right, so let's give you a separate shot, Pot. Josh, and, and your answer about this game. Wow, I have watched no Canadian football this season, so I have no idea. I didn't even know who was in the Grey Cup. But you know what? Since Ned went with Hamilton, I'll go with with Winnipeg. Okay. Because, you know, the Winnipeg Jets and the NHL are, are you know, pretty cool Canadian hockey. But... <laughs> Do you guys remember the old days when that's what ESPN had? They didn't have the major American oh, sports, yeah. so oh, you, yeah. you watch Canadian football. Well, it wasn't they didn't have it. They brought it in. NBC did, too. Yeah. NBC, when the players went on strike, they brought in the Canadian Football League. And it, it does have some appeal. It is a different game. It's three downs, and you have it's a little to, more wide open. Uh, much Way more, more wide open. open. The field is bigger. The and end zones are 20 yards as opposed to 10. You can do a lot of things. But... But because of the three downs and because of the expanded field, they have a high-scoring game that's yep. a, a very exciting. It's it's no dog. It's, no, it, no, no. They it's, also, players can be moving forward before the ball is snapped yep. as long as they don't cross the line of scrimmage. So they can, the receivers can get a running start. Yeah. So it, may, it does make for a lot higher scoring. Could you imagine Tyreek Hill? With the running start. Yeah, getting a 10-yard head start on 10 people. 10-yard head start, that just wouldn't even be, that wouldn't even be close to being Yeah, but fair. he has to catch the ball. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, good yeah, point. all right. Well, it has to be delivered in the <laughs> yeah. right spot. We'll be back, and we'll have our picks for you right here on 104.7 The Cave. It's Ned Talk. You're listening to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave. Part of the Kansas City Chiefs Radio Network. Back to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave. A proud member of the Kansas City Chiefs Radio Network. 
All right, it's that time of the show where we give our picks. But first, let's uh, let's talk about a couple other things real quickly. Some house cleaning or housekeeping is we will be on Thursday at 5 o'clock. The Chiefs have a very short week. Raiders today, former Los Angeles team. They'll take on the current Los Angeles team, the Chargers, on Thursday night. We'll be here at 5 o'clock. That should be a good game. Let's talk quickly about the final quarter of the season for the Chiefs. It's I don't want to look ahead. They have the Raiders today, and then they end the season against the Chargers, which I think is the, actually their toughest game. And they lost to the Chargers earlier in the season. Do you think you'll see full-on Kansas City Chiefs on Thursday night? Don't discount the uh, Cincinnati Bengals and Pittsburgh Steelers who are in there. They're not in the same category as the Chiefs, but again, they ha- they are capable football teams, especially the Steelers, in giving Kansas City a tough time. Do I do what we've seen today and stick with what I said? It'll be a very conservative approach. I think the Chiefs win it rather handily because they're just a better team than Las Vegas. But I think it'll be a very conservative approach. Why? Because the next game is three days later. The next game for the Los Angeles Chargers is three games later. But they are at home. They don't have to travel. And they're playing the Giants. So it should be a Chargers victory. There's no givens at all in the NFL. But I look for the Chiefs to go out and hit Las Vegas early with a good offensive explosion saying, all right, try and match us because we're going to pull back and play conservative football the same as they have been doing in recent weeks. What do you think the score is? I'm going to pick the Chiefs to win this one 30, 30 to 17. What do you think, Mr. Roberts? I think it'll be a fairly conservative game as well, and I think the Chiefs potentially are going to dominate possession, and and I think it could be like a 28 to 10 Chiefs win. I say 27-17 Chiefs. I think uh, maybe during garbage time, Mm -hmm. Derek Carr comes up with some miracle that puts another score on the board, and somebody talks about how, starts doing the math about how the Raiders can come back, but it (laughs) it just won't happen. Weather won't be a factor in today's game. 55 and sunny in KC. Right now it's 47 and sunny, so no weather problems up there but looking ahead again let's talk about this final quarter of the season for the Kansas City Chiefs the Chargers on Thursday then they play the Steelers then they've got the Bengals and then they've got the Denver Broncos I disagree with you Ned I don't think either one of those teams can keep up with the Kansas City Chiefs at all no 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 it's not what I said what I did say is this that the Chiefs are better than both those teams better than both the Broncos and the Steelers but Anything can happen, especially if you're letting down and you have things clinched. And by that same token, those teams are also quite capable of rising up, especially Cincinnati, mm-hmm. who play the Chiefs in Cincinnati and uh, maybe maybe creating a whole lot of problems. But as far as team strength, nope, the, uh, the Chiefs are better. I tell you, I would love to, for the Chiefs to have that receiver that Pittsburgh has because all that Ben Roethlisberger has to do is throw the ball higher than the... Mm. Then the cornerback's head, and then that guy goes up and gets the ball, and he <laughs> makes some really spectacular catches on balls I thought were just uncatchable. And mm-hmm. amazingly, Roethlisberger has been on his behind when he's thrown those passes. Too. Yeah. yeah, yeah, he has been. He's had a he's had a really tough season this year. But I, you know, I look at the Chiefs running the table from here on out. I think that their toughest game will be the Chargers. What do you think, Josh? I think you're right, but I think I I don't think. Uh, the, the Bengals are a pretty tough team, and they've played well at times this season. I think they're contending for their 
division crown. So I could see that being a tough one for the Chiefs. But yeah, I think they should they should win out. They should win the rest of their games. Come on, it's Cincinnati Bengals. I know. It's Cincinnati Bengals. Come on. Challengers to start out with this season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) You never know. Again, we're going to be on Thursday night, 5 o'clock, right here in 104.7 The Cave. Your pregame show is the Chiefs take on the Chargers. But first, let's take care of the Raiders. That game's getting ready to start at noon. The pregame show starts in about a minute. Thanks, Mr. Reynolds. Always a pleasure. Thanks, Mr. Roberts. Thank you. We'll see you in a couple of weeks. Yep. So Merry Christmas to you. Merry Christmas to you. Again, we'll see you on Thursday. I'm Joe Weston. Get set for Chiefs football. Thanks to Corbin Campbell, Mike the Intern, Nick Fury, Scott Meyer, and Brian Tyndall. Have fun, guys. Be safe.